Hi everyone, welcome to the No Time to Read podcast. This is your host Arif Ashraf. I'm a plant biologist and in every episode I'm going to invite the lead author of a recently published plant biology article to share the story behind the paper. As audience, your goal is to tune into that episode so you don't have to read the paper. Welcome to the podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to the season two, episode three of our No Time to Read podcast. And in this episode, we are going to talk about a recent paper which came in Development Journal. And this paper is about uh, root meristem and lateral root emergence. And we're very fortunate to have uh, Marta Laskowski with us. And I hope I pronounced the name correctly. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Marta. It would be great if you introduce yourself for our audience before we start talking about the paper. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. This is really wonderful. Um, my name's Marta, and you did a beautiful job of pronouncing it. Uh, I grew up in Indiana, uh, attended Indiana University. I was a graduate student with Winslow Briggs at the Carnegie Institute uh, of Plant Biology, and then I was a postdoc with Ian Sussex at Berkeley. And after that, I started teaching at small liberal arts colleges. So I've been at uh, Oberlin College for 20 years now. Uh, and I've been had the opportunity to work with a, a wonderful group of um, fantastically talented and enthusiastic young people. Um, also with collaborators um, in other labs uh, around the world, who are all part of this initiative. Thank you so much for the introduction. As this paper we're going to discuss is about the root meristem and the lateral root, and we feel like there are so many papers on this research area. Uh, so what, as an audience, we should know as a background for the root meristem or the lateral root emergence uh, before we get deep into the paper? Um, so root development is, I think, really beautiful and uh, uh, controlled by a group of stem cells that are continuously producing new tissues, which can at some point enter the elongation zone and elongate. Um, and there's a balance between the production of the uh, new cells and the elongation of them. And that's really of uh, critical importance to the growth of the root. Um, so too, the, the rate at which lateral roots are produced um, and the, the rate at which they're emerging uh, makes a big difference in the ultimate architecture of the plant. Nice, excellent. So usually every paper or project is started with either some observation or there's some initial question or it came from some previous paper. Uh, so what was the initial point or story uh, to start this project? Yeah, that's a that's a fun one for this project. Uh, we kind of got into this backwards in a sense. Um, I was working for at least 15 years on lateral root initiation and spacing and finally decided that the way to make progress was to start mapping the location of lateral roots. Um, in all different mutants and growth conditions. And so we were doing this in lab, um, painstakingly figuring out where all the spacings were and kept coming across the, the observation that there was a difference between the spacing and locations of lateral roots in the first form part of the tissue than there was uh, in older tissues. 
And finally, one of the people we're working with at the time, uh, Greg Lee, commented, we should get t-shirts with this emblazoned on them. Um, and so in thinking about how to move forward with the project, it seemed like this was the big effect, um, right. whether the tissue was, whether the plant was young or old. And, and so that was worth studying more. Um, and I was trying one evening at a, um, I actually was at a family gathering and I'd run mm -hmm. away upstairs for a few minutes because I had a grant proposal due. And mm -hmm. so I was hiding out in, in some nephew's bedroom, uh, <laughs> um, trying to figure out how to phrase uh, the fact that there was a difference between the early and the late formed part. And I was saying, well, there's some developmental stage. There's some, there's some, there's some phase that's different. And then True. it hit me that what I, we might be looking at was a phase change. Um, and I really hadn't thought about phase change happening in roots before, but mm -hmm. in that moment I did. And um, that really became the, the driving force for the whole uh, project to, to look to see whether or not um, phase change is taking place in roots um, as it does in shoots. That's a fantastic story, how the project started. I really liked it. So usually in this uh, podcast episode, we try to understand uh, what the paper discover itself. And uh, we ask the author to tell us what is the discovery or sh things should we know as a take home message. So if you uh, help us to understand what we should know from this work. Um, so we obtained um, from uh, Scott Pothig, actually, an overexpressor of the MIR 156 juvenility factor. So this has been uh, referred to as a major regulator of juvenility in the shoot system of many different species of plants. Mm -hmm. And we, as one of our early things, grew it in rhizotrons. So these mm -hmm. are like little ant farms or something. You can see the roots growing very nicely. And there was just a massive difference in the way the mature root system looked in plants that were overexpressing um, this juvenility factor. They're much more dense. Um, from across the room, you can see just sort of thin lines of white Columbia root growing. And you see next to it, this sort of just mass of white root uh, in the overexpressor. So there's this really big difference between the two, which inspired us to, to go farther into it and to try to figure out what the differences were. Um, I think what we found um, is that the juvenility factor, this MIR-156 when it's overexpressed, um, affects um, what was, I think, people had already noticed um, the rate of lateral root emergence. Um, it also affects the length of the meristem. Um, but what we were able to uncover that uh, I think exciting and new is that there's um, a regulatory network between this juvenility factor and plethora two, which is one of the regulators for stem cell um, maintenance and production. So it seems that the early increase in meristem size, which has been observed to, to occur shortly after germination, um, is linked with this uh, expression of the um, MIR-156 juvenility factor. So at the, at the, root, of, um, at the root of root mm -hmm. growth, um, we have this um, uh, phase uh, control uh, affecting um, 
meristem factors and meristem factors um, affecting the phase change. That, that, that is wonderful. Anyone who is listening, I'll recommend to look at those figures because those root images are spectacular, actually. I really love those images. Uh, so in this point, like what actually is the next for you or as an open question on this area after this paper? There are many open questions. <laughs> as is often the case with work that goes well, right? You have more yes. questions at the end than you did at the beginning, right? Absolutely. So, um, one of the things is that um, we observed that Plethora II, um, uh, from another paper that was already published, Plethora II does already is was was seen to bind to um, the. DNA close to some of the MIR-172 genes. These are the mm -hmm. maturity factors. So okay. we're wondering if in addition to repressing the juvenility factor, it's also having an effect on the maturity factor. Mm -hmm. And we started doing some real-time PCR and were mm -hmm. frustrated by low levels of expression there. So we'd like to you know, really look into this in more detail and take a, take a closer look. Um, also, I want to go back. Um, I originally started this because I was interested mm -hmm. in lateral root positioning, which right. we didn't end up talking about in the paper. Um, and so I'd like to go back now and address that issue um, mm -hmm. now that we have some clue what's going on with um, phase relationships. Awesome. It seems that there are already many questions in place to answer. So another important thing we like to discuss in the podcast is the review process uh, of this paper, uh, because it is very helpful for the listener like me who are early career researcher. So if you uh, tell us a little bit more about what is the review process, how long it took, and what is the major thing changed during the review process? So the review process was um, long mm -hmm. and uh, I suppose for that reason, and on a human level, at times frustrating. But um, in the end, I think that the paper is is much stronger for it. Um, at the time that we submitted, we had just found that um, adding an extra copy of Plethora II uh, substantially rescued the um, MIR-156 overexpression phenotype in right. rhizotons. Um, but we hadn't gone back to clean up all of the other work we'd been doing. Um, I guess maybe if I could take a minute here and say, when we realized we were gonna study um, or look for the possibility of there being phase change in the root, to find out whether that could be true, we knew we'd have to do careful phenotyping. Um, we also knew that, that phases are described as groups of co-occurring attributes. And so we knew that unlike a regular paper where you can look at just one thing, we actually wanted to look at many different aspects of root growth. And we did, and that made it take a long time, and it made it very complicated because we had all these different pieces. So the first thing that the review process, um, the reviewers told us to do was to cut back, that we just had so many different things that we were talking about in the paper that nobody could keep it straight. And I appreciate that. And so we took a lot of it out um, and focused just on one, uh, one core part of it. 
Um, another thing we did is we went back, having having discovered the the role of the plethora two, we went back and redid um, several of the experiments um, with the right plethora constructs in there. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, most of what's in the paper, um, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I think that a lot of the figures that are in the paper mm -hmm. are new since the since the original submission. Um, okay. And uh, but they came together quickly enough. Um, and and it's better now. Yeah, it sounds good. Usually, most of the review process hard. They ask for more and more. Uh, it sounds like a very good review process because they ask to remove some stuff to make this story straight. So it's it's a very nice one to know about that. Uh, one of the other thing I'm very curious uh, to discuss with you because you work in a liberal art college, so we kind of feel that it's a totally little bit different research environment. So I think it will be very helpful for the audience like me who are listening, how you orchestrate and involve all of your undergrads and the collaborators and do some amazing research in liberal arts college. It's really fun to have the opportunity to work with lots of um, bright, enthusiastic um, young people. So I, I enjoy that very much. Um, and I work with students sort of in two different capacities. Um, I teach a class, um, a research-based uh, upper level course, um, mm -hmm. and it's described as a cure, a um, course based undergraduate research experience. So mm -hmm. students who enroll in my plant biology class actually do projects that are related to the goals of the grant. And I use this, frankly, to pilot things. Mm -hmm. um, so students who are in the class, they, I give them some op some choices of what project to do. They, they pick one and do mm -hmm. it. And we have lots and lots of pilots for things that come mm -hmm. through this. And it allows us to test times and concentrations and various mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Then students who are interested in doing um, further work mm -hmm. can join my research lab and do independent mm -hmm. projects that last a longer period. And we can use information we gained from the pilots to mm -hmm. construct the experiments for those longer term things. Um, and generally what happens is that if a student signs up for an honors project, that mm -hmm. year long experience may mm -hmm. end up becoming um, a figure in the paper. Um, nice. So um, uh, Ellie Huleen uh, Tiley, uh, who's a co-author in the paper, um, mm -hmm. she did the work on lateral root emergence mm -hmm. um, where she was following every day what was happening to the lateral roots. And so this mm -hmm. was a very painstaking uh, thing, but her work has shown up there. And, uh, Yiling Fang was uh, an honor student. Her work um, showed up in some PCR results. And mm -hmm. Annabelle Espdeen was another honor student. Um, and she was measuring the length of cortical cells as plants mm -hmm. matured. Um, so there are all these different um, projects that, um, that came forward. Um, and overall, I think it took us about eight years to put the paper together. So it's not fast. That's the that's oh, yes. the downside. Um, but there was also COVID in there, uh, which slowed things sure. down. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think this uh, episode actually not only shared the story of the paper, but also a lot of the things we came to know from you. And before we end this episode, if you want to acknowledge uh, your students, collaborators, and the people, um, please do that. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so I already mentioned a few, but. Um, uh, 
Ellie Tiley, Yiling Fong, Annabelle Epstein, uh, Yu Yang Fu, Roberto Ramos, uh, Tommy Drummond um, are all students who have come through working with me and whose um, work I super appreciate. Also, I want to mention not listed as co-authors, but mm -hmm. uh, students who've worked in my upper level uh, research labs, um, mm -hmm. uh, including Connie Estevez. Um, they're really uh, very, very helpful in this. Um, also, uh, Renza Heidstra from the Wageningen uh, um, uh, Research uh, University in the Netherlands um, uh, was, was very helpful. And Tobias Baskin, uh, who works at, at UMass, um, and uh, Priya Bakari, who worked with, with Tobias, um, was fantastically um, helpful in the, in the growth determinations. Um, and finally, um, Adeline Leiser, um, who was the one who first suggested that we try the grafting, um, which was absolutely a fabulous contribution. Awesome. And, and, and Andrea uh, Paderling, uh, who, who taught me how to do the grafting, so. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marta, for your time and shared this story and a lot of the suggestions for the early career researchers, uh, the review process, and also like how to orchestrate research in a primarily uh, undergraduate institute. Uh, thank everyone uh, for listening. Hopefully we'll come back with another great story in the uh, next episode. <laughs>